May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you imagine yourself at rest, I wonder how you picture yourself. Eyes closed, I suspect, feet up, perhaps shoes off, top button undone, maybe if you're used to wearing a shirt and tie. You might be indoors or out, sitting or lying down, perhaps, maybe in the sunshine, maybe in the shade. Maybe you're clutching a cup of tea, maybe a glass of juice, maybe something stronger. Maybe, David, that's how you picture yourself about a couple of hours from now. But here's a question. Are you more conscious of what you're resting from or of what you're resting for? Are you resting from a frantic activity of past days and weeks and months? Or, like a professional athlete, are you stewarding your resources, resting for what lies ahead, so that you'll be able to give your very best energy to the tasks which await you? You see, there are rests in music. I say that as if I know something about music, but I can't actually read dots on a clef, not really. But I think I'm right that in music, a rest is usually not there because you've sung 16 bars at a frantic pace and now you need a breather. In music, a rest is more often a pause intended to give special emphasis to the next note or phrase. A rest underlines what follows. So in ministry, lay and ordained, most of us are at our most effective and fruitful in God's service, not when we rest from work, but when we work from rest. We are at our most effective when we find a rhythm of life, which means that we don't just rest when we're ready to collapse. We rest, we take retreat, as much on account of what is before us as on account of what is behind us. I say all this in the light of the passage from the Gospel of Matthew, which we heard a little earlier in the service and which is printed on page 10 of this evening's service booklet to which you might like to turn. I want to point out two ways in which the ministry of Jesus is a model, not least for you, David, and for the witness of Doncaster Minster, but actually for every baptised Christian, including those who lead our worship robed in choirs across the diocese. The Gospel reading falls into three parts. There are two conflict stories about the Sabbath. The first in verses 1 to 8, which ends with that quotation from Hosea the prophet and by a declaration by Jesus himself about the Son of Man. The second in verses 9 to 14, which ends with the report that the Pharisees are conspiring to destroy Jesus. But then there's a summary story in verses 15 to 21, ending with that long quotation from the prophet Isaiah. There isn't actually a reference to rest in any of those 21 verses, but our passage is the start of Matthew chapter 12, and this is the end of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, 
Come to me, all that are weary and are heavy, carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you RSCM singers will already be humming in your heads the tune from Handel's Messiah. If I'm right, those verses at the end of Matthew 11 are the key to interpreting at least the two Sabbath stories in Matthew 12, because in the Jewish tradition, the Sabbath was all about rest. And if I'm right, the controversy between Jesus and the Pharisees was over what rest really looks like. And that, I think, brings us to the quotation from Isaiah at the end, which, if I'm right, is Jesus' answer to the question, what does rest really look like? So, in the first of those two controversies in which Jesus provokes the wrath of the Pharisees, he and his disciples are plucking and eating grain on the Sabbath, which might be construed as work, as reaping and threshing. So the Pharisees challenge Jesus. Look, they say, your disciples are doing what it is not lawful. It's not lawful to do that on the Sabbath. You can discover a lot about a religious person if you discover what they think is not lawful. Jesus first points out that there are many occasions in the Hebrew Bible when rules are apparently broken for greater good and then concludes by saying two things. First, he quotes the verses, those words from Hosea the prophet in which God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What God wants to see in us and from us isn't our sacrifices, not our heroic self-denial, not our gifts to charity, not even the time we offer to worship, not even in the noble art of choral worship. What God wants to see in us and from us is mercy. And then astoundingly, Jesus makes a claim about himself. The Son of Man, he says, is Lord of the Sabbath. It is the Son of Man, Jesus says, who gets to say what is and is not true rest. And I tell you, rest looks like mercy. Rest looks like receiving mercy and practicing mercy. David, you are a merciful priest. We trust you'll be a merciful canon and that you will continue to foster in Doncaster a merciful minster. That's the first thing. Rest looks like mercy. That brings us to the second story. This one takes place not on the Sabbath in a field, but on the Sabbath in a synagogue. It's a setup. The Pharisees have singled out a man who had a withered hand, and they try to trap Jesus by asking him, is it lawful? Remember that word lawful? We met it in the first story. First of all, in chapter 2, and then in verse, sorry, first of all, in verse 2, then in verse 4, first on the lips of the Pharisees and then on the lips of Jesus. And it's the same here. We see it in verse 10 on the lips of the Pharisees and then in verse 12 on the lips of Jesus. Is it lawful, they ask him to trap him, to cure on the Sabbath? Surely healing is work. Ask any doctor. But Jesus again cuts through the rule keeping. It is lawful, he says, to do good on the Sabbath. Rest looks not like keeping rules. Rest looks like doing good. 
and he heals the man. David, you are a good priest, and we pray you will be a canon who seeks to do good, and that you'll foster in Doncaster a minster where doing good comes more naturally than keeping rules, because doing good is what rest looks like. But please notice that in these two stories, rest doesn't necessarily mean avoiding conflict. Here is Jesus, Jesus at rest, Jesus in mercy, Jesus in doing good, but still ready to confront the abuse of power. Rest doesn't mean rolling over in the face of self-interest. On the contrary, biblical rest, the rest of the Sabbath, means confronting bullies and standing up for the values which are closest to the heart of God. That's why it's so striking that our reading finishes in the way that it does. You see, when you pictured yourself at rest, not many of you will have pictured yourselves actively doing mercy, actively doing good. Our vision of rest is is quite passive. And there is nothing passive about the figure of Jesus when he comes face to face with the abuse of power. But on the other hand, nor is there anything loud and noisy and shouty about Jesus, as if he's in pursuit of power either, which brings us to those quotations from the prophet Isaiah. Here's a picture of Jesus which conforms a bit more readily to our expectations about rest. He withdraws. It says that in verse 15. He's on retreat, to use the usual spiritual language, and although he does heal people, he orders them not to make him known. He wants peace and quiet. And this, says Matthew, fulfills the words of the prophet Isaiah, which paints a portrait of the chosen servant of God. And this chosen servant, the beloved, with whom God is pleased, is, yes, one who seeks justice, one who proclaims justice to the Gentiles, to the outsiders. The word justice comes twice in these verses because it matters. And the Gentiles are mentioned twice because they matter. The outsiders matter. You'll see the word justice at the end of verse 18 and at the end of verse 20. And the reference to the Gentiles at the end of verses 18 and 21. Rest does not mean sitting back in the face of injustice. But I want to focus on the bit between the references in verse 18 and 21 by looking at verses 19 and 20 to finish. Because it turns out that God's chosen servant is not the argumentative type, not someone who raises his voice easily, who thinks they'll get what they want if they just shout loud enough. The chosen one of God is not the bickering type, not the sort to win a slanging match. Rather, the chosen servant goes about God's business on the quiet, not drawing attention to himself. That's verse 19. And the chosen servant of God is gentle. He doesn't break a reed that is already bruised or snuff out ruthlessly a flame that is already flickering. Unafraid of conflict, unafraid to speak up on the one hand, the chosen servant of God is tender and mild with strength under control on the other. David, please make that your template for ministry Please be a canon who doesn't wrangle, but who will not break a bruised reed. Indeed, I wonder if you can imagine a day when God might even say, 
Here is my minster, which I have chosen, my beloved place of worship, with which my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon it, and it will proclaim justice to the needy world. It will not dispute or clamor for its own rights. It will not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick until it brings justice to victory. And in its names, the outsiders will hope. I must stop. This is a portrait of what rest looks like in the Bible. It is rest at the end of chapter 11, which enables mission in chapter 12. It is Sabbath rest, which is ready to put sacrifice, put mercy before sacrifice, doing good before keeping rules. It's rest which enables God's chosen one to pursue justice, but gently. Justice, but gently. I have a confession to make. When I rest from work, rather than working from rest, that's to say, when I let myself get too tired in ministry, in activity, there is a trap into which I too easily fall In fact, I've come to recognize it as a sign that I've lost the right work-rest balance. When I rest from work instead of working from rest, when I am ready to collapse because I'm exhausted, I tend to be gentle with the powerful and fierce with the weak. I wonder if you know what I mean. When I'm exhausted... I don't have the courage to stand up to the bully and I take out my frustration on those who don't have the power to fight back. It's not pretty and I'm not proud of it. But when I work from rest, I'm more like Jesus. Then I can stand up to the bully, I can confront the abuse of power and I am tender with the weak. When I work from rest, I can do mercy, not sacrifice. I can do good and not just keep rules. David, we honour you this afternoon. We celebrate the person you are by God's grace. What we long for is that your ministry as a canon of this cathedral church will enable you also to work from rest and not merely to rest from work. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.